world, and welcome to episode seven of the Pink Bike Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Mike Levy, and I'm here with my three bosses, Brian Park. How's it going today? Good. How are you? I'm great. Did you ride bikes on the weekend? No, I didn't. No. Okay. Moving on then. Casimir, my next boss. Casimir, how's it going? It's going great. I know you rode a lot of bikes on the weekend. I did ride bikes all the days of the weekend. Yes, probably far too, and probably on some yeah, great trails in Bellingham. We got like five thousand vert in after work on Friday. Yeah, it was good. That time change. Yeah, nice. Give me that. Yeah. Those are freedom units though, right? Yeah, I don't know how you convert that to some other things, but in freedom units, that's feet. And as usual, James Smurthwaite. James, did you ride bikes on the weekend? Uh, no, no bikes here. I had a four-day weekend as well, so heck oh. of a shame. Did you rollerblade? Or? There is some good news from your end though, isn't there? You can uh, go outside yeah. now. Lockdown's lifted, sort of. We can we can exercise longer than an hour, so I'll be making the most of it. So you'll be you taking time off to go longboarding, mountain boarding, <laughs> well, then mountain boarding, yeah, kiteboarding, yes, <laughs> rollerblading, <laughs> and micro scootering. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So we're gonna start today's episode off with a question. You can only ride one type of bike for the rest of your life, but it can't be a mountain bike. So you can't say downhill bike, Casimir. I know that's what you want to ride for the rest of your life, but you can't say that. Let's start with you, Brian. What are you riding? I think I'm going to stick with a, with like just a town bike, an electric town bike. My when my old age, I'll just be tootling around, and you guys will be stuck on rigid BMXs. Be, think that you think are so cool right now, but yeah, I'm going to are, plan for the future. Town are bike. you the guy that comes into the bike shop with their electric town bike that has blinkers and <laughs> electric a safety bag on both sides? <laughs> Four safety flags. <laughs> yeah, I got mirrors hanging off of my, like three mirrors on my helmet. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you got to be safe out there. It's yeah. Sketchy. On my way to the farmer's market, I got to be right. safe. <laughs> Casimir? I'd go like a clunker. Coaster brake, single speed, just big, goofy. You It'd be so fun. You will say anything besides gravel bike, won't you? You will never say For the rest gravel. of my life, just a give gravel in. bike be all right. But like, if I'm going to go to the grocery store, I just want to be able to leave it outside and go in and not have to like, ma- low maintenance. So you'll never ride a nice bike again? Yeah, it'd be fine. If I can't mountain bike it, then I don't really want a bike. So I'm just going to ride the clunker everywhere. And I would still mountain bike the clunker. So oh. it'd be fine. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'd pick curly bars. I would definitely go gravel bike. James, what about you? Yeah, I'd go gravel bike as well. Yeah. I think it just about counts as not a mountain bike, so... I'm taking yeah, it. exactly. I feel like we're time. letting you we're letting you off the hook here, Levy, because you tried to coin a phrase or a term this last week, and I think it's unacceptable. I did not try; it was in jest as well. Oh, but you spoke it into the universe. I did. You want to tell everybody? You are you proud? Well, it's for the uh, proud isn't the right word. Embarrassed might be better. It's for that specialized diver- diverge Evo. There's that flat bar gravel bike, aka a mountain bike with not enough tire clearance or a flat bar commuter. And it's it's a grounded bike, if you ask me. But what do I know? <laughs> Everyone's already angry at me. So <laughs> what the hell? Yeah, grounded is <laughs> almost as gross as growed, but both terms are unacceptable. They can't be spoken. Yeah. What's what is it called, Brian? When you try to put the two words together like it's that, it's called a portmanteau. Yeah, a portmanteau. That sounds like a type of olive. <laughs> like, I love portmanteau yeah. olives in my <laughs> oh, salad. So portmanteau and cheese, it's really good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This shit's so good. <laughs> okay, let's move on to news. And to do that, as always, we have James Murthwaite. James, take it away. Thanks, Mike. I guess the big news this week is Shimano's new Dior 12-speed. So this is a new cheaper version of their 12-speed drivetrain, the kind of thing we expect to see on on entry-level bikes. It's pretty comparable to SRAM's SX in that sense. Uh, Kaz, you have this. Uh, Have you got any early ride impressions? Yeah, I've got about five hours of ride time on it so far, and I'm really impressed. I mean, just because it's a budget drivetrain, it doesn't feel like a budget drivetrain. Basically, all you're gaining is weight. And, you know, it's lower price, more weight, but the shifting performance, it feels really nice. I have one question. Mm-hmm. We always talk about XTR and shifting under load and how ridiculously good it is. No crunching or anything. What is this like? Shifting yeah, this does load? it too. It has that same hyperglide technology. So even the the, the way that the uh, the ramps on the cassette cogs are and all the chain architecture, I guess would be the word, that's all the same. Cog science. Uh, so it works. Yeah, it's just, it's basically weight. So if you're going to go from like this up to XT, you could save a half pound. If you went from XT to XTR, it's a half pound. So if you're counting grams, you're probably not going to go Dior. But if you're on a budget, it, so far, like I said, only five hours in, but it seems really, really good. So Are there brakes too? There's brakes, yeah. Um, they're kind of like the, similar to the 
used to be the M5120. They have ceramic pistons, yeah. um, four pistons. Servo wave? Or no that? servo wave. So it could be better. Good. <laughs> so we'll see. Good. Still getting that sorted yes. out. Only, like I said, early early days here. But uh, so far, it seems like a really good addition to that value price drivetrain world. Well, we were frustrated during the field test that pretty much all the bikes were, there was no competition. It was all SRAM for all of the entry-level bikes. And SRAM's really owned that market for the last, what, three, four years? Ever since people on the value bikes demanded one buy or stopped accepting triple chain rings. <laughs> so yeah, I'm. it's going to be interesting to see what 2021 and 2022 bikes are gets back to us. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad that there's this battle happening because it really is an important price point and it's nice to be able to get a replacement and not spend hundreds and hundreds of dollars on a derailleur or anything like that i think it just makes it more interesting too from our perspective yeah. like yeah you were saying like at field trip it's like oh look here's some sx and it works really good you know it does work really well but when there's nothing to compare yeah. to that goes up against like we yeah. talk about brakes endlessly until now sx has been the best drivetrain at that price point yeah right <laughs> it's also the worst because it's the yeah. only one or yeah the only yeah of the major ones yeah. Yeah. and i do like how shimano they put some uh oil slick graphics on the derailleur oh. and the cranks it's a not so subtle jab at a certain grupo that's all oil slick <laughs> like that that is so I, cheeky. i don't believe that they did that oh they oh, definitely did for sure that's a hundred percent hundred percent you think japan mm-hmm. did that maybe not japan but somebody did that for sure well, that's good. I hope no, they did. did. It's I would, funny. Okay, it's, they do the same thing on the on the on their road group sets, like where Campy has the thumb shifter, yeah, in in that place, and Shimano puts the thumb shifter in that same place only on their lowest end road group. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that has nothing to do with Campy, and everything to do with as, Tiagra as or whatever it like, is. Need to oh, cost SRAM cheap. has SRAM's fancy, but forks have black stanchions well our cheap ones are going to have black stanchions mm-hmm. like those guys that is yeah, for sure, they're it's, they are all cheeky they're all playing that like game it. guaranteed it's so good. good good we saw the specialized diverge evo uh on the homepage this week um so the diverge is specialized gravel bike and this is a longer slacker version with flat bars we already touched on it already so we don't normally cover gravel bikes but this ended up on the homepage. um does this count as a mountain bike no. Why not? It has suspension. What about if it had, Brian, what about if the picture showed it with 27.5 by 2.1 inch tires? Is it a mountain bike then? No. Just because it doesn't have a suspension fork? You guys know me. It's all about intended use, But it's man. made for that. They showed a picture of a guy. I'm like, it said it's good for technical single track in the ad copy. <laughs> Specialized in <laughs> shredding, or no, sending technical single yeah. track. Oh my God. They don't even say that on their, on their like, epic xc hardtail copy. well this is pretty much the same geometry as that bike so yeah. oh god does it have the the suspension stem yeah it's got like yeah. it does have a suspension stem yeah. okay so it, it really is just like a mountain bike from the 90s it's got a suspension stem it's rigid <laughs> suspend the bike not the ride or suspend the rider not the yeah. bike well, there's that video they those guys dug up at specialized an old like vintage ad for the rock combo from 1989 i think it's pretty funny. It's really worth watching. It's out there. But uh, yeah, same the same premise. You know, you can go anywhere, do anything. The rock combo. Okay. I'm I'm being outvoted here. I guess it's a mountain bike. Eh, I mean, I don't, I don't know, know about it. Is. It doesn't... It's something. It's, oh, look at these guys walk it back now. No, you can ride it like a mountain bike and be fine, but there's better options if you're going to go mountain biking. But. Yeah. It's... I'm not a fence sitter. It's definitely a hybrid bike. <laughs> Which um, is fence And fence also... Sitting. It's been sitting as in a name. <laughs> Whatever. It is what it, I'm calling it like yeah. I see it. It's a hybrid it bike. But also, I have no idea. As someone who rides gravel, I have no idea why you'd want to pass up the curly bars for a drop bar and lose the hand positions. Like I would never want to ride a flat bar on the gravel rides that I do. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, what yeah. do I know? No, I, I agree. Know. I mean, I've, as much as I talk shit about all this stuff, I've spent plenty of time road biking and touring and touring, I tried to go on tour once with a flat bar bike, and that's not recommended. Like, yeah, nah, it's terrible. It doesn't work, so. But it's out there. It, you know, maybe it'll get somebody into it, and then they get the curly bars and figure it out. So it's cool. It's obvious. Yeah. Uh, in other sort of rigid news, we saw MV's uh, adjustable rigid fork. So this is a lightweight option. It's 676 grams, uh, $625, and you can change the offsets between 44 and 52 millimeters. 
yeah, more rigid stuff on the home page. Oh What's going God. on this so, week? <laughs> so many rigid. Yeah, that's. Uh, but I do like that. I do like that little flip chip thing in the in the dropout. Do you really think people use it that much? I think well, they I use think it, it once when they get the fork and they put it on their bike. They're people don't usually people don't mess around with all these different geometry things. In my experience, oh for sure, for sure, I work hashtag for, ride nine. I was gonna say, I'm sorry, <laughs> ride zero, <laughs> ride zero. So terrible. I do think that it'll give it more options for setup. Like you'll be able to put that onto a wider range of bikes with different head tube angles and get it set set for you. I don't think it's like the biggest it's, deal in the world, but I think it's cool. No, it's not. The, it's it's not stupid, but it's also there for a bullet point on a shell a cell sheet. To be honest with you, I mean, they then they don't have to make two forks. Yeah, I was going to say maybe it's there to reduce the yeah. number of this works for any wheel yeah, size. And there's only one mold. Can we please talk about something that's not about rigid? <laughs> yes, let's move on from that. <laughs> How about some downhill tires then? Um, Kenda showed us what they've been working on with Aaron Gwynn on his first season at Intense, um, and that was the pinner. Um, it's been already christened in our comments as the Gwynian um, for pretty obvious reasons. I love our commenters sometimes. You guys are amazing. I just want to say that. Well, the Gwynian's good, but I don't know why they didn't call it the Gwinner. If they were going I like Gwynian better. Well, yeah, but you can't call it the Gwynian. I can now. Well, you sorry. <laughs> the marketing can. team can't call it the Gwynian. They could call it the Gwinner. Well, he hasn't won for Intense yet, so... Oh, yeah. that's true. Yeah. He should, should win yeah. first. Awkward. <laughs> uh, I saw BTR were pretty annoyed in the comments as well because they've got a bike called the Pinner. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, other sort of Gwyn-related product news, TRP have updated their uh, brakes. So Nika Malali started using the e-bike brakes and I think the development has sort of... Um, going on from there um because this is something else you've you've been riding um did you yeah, i did like them um they're super powerful and the biggest thing for me was consistency so even on really steep descents the lever feel doesn't change at all which is something i really like um, and the previous versions we've tested the quadiums before and they're pretty good but they just didn't have a lot of power and these ones whether it's the new pad compound or the the new lever piston diameter some combination of that but these ones are plenty powerful you could definitely run them on a downhill bike and it would be you know it'd be great so i think it's a good uh good other option to have out there there's still plenty of modulation i'd say a little less modulation they're kind of closer like if you're going to make a chart they're a little closer to shimano feel than uh sram code feel just as far as like how much they or how quick they lock up i guess uh, but Mo modulation's overrated yeah i like modulation but these i got along with them like i wasn't overrated <laughs> yeah you get your trick Just stuff modulate with your fingers <laughs> yeah yeah well yeah we'll see i might be eating my words yeah. when I get this thing yeah up. but uh are the are the TRPs, do they have the wider rotors now? Yeah, these are 2.3 millimeter rotor uh, instead of 1.8, which is pretty typical on uh, Ceram and Shimano. But for people out there wondering, you can run 2.3 millimeter rotors on your Ceram and Shimano stuff. There's clearance in the work. Kaz, you tested the Giro Manifest helmet this week. That's the the new helmet from them. And it's got this, this interesting um, sort of double rotational protection thing. Can you talk about that a bit? Yeah, so some has what they call their spherical technology. They developed it uh, in-house. It's basically, so you get two layers. It's almost like having a helmet with inside a helmet. On this particular one, it's more, you can you notice it more, but they also have had it in their Tyrant helmet that came out earlier, or I guess it came out last year. So basically you have two layers of foam and there's an elastomer that attaches them. So the idea is that if you crash, that outer layer should kind of slide and rotate and prevent some of those forces from reaching your brain. So is it just moving MIPS from next to your head to between two layers of helmet? Exactly. Yeah. And one of the benefits is comfort because if anyone, you know, some of those MIPS, especially the early MIPS liners, you could kind of notice them and they made it hard to put padding where you wanted to in the helmet. So um, this kind of shifts that around. It sounds like the 6D, Casimir. Uh, it's kind of similar to that. Like the, the there's a shell in a shell. Yeah. But it's not as huge. Um, yeah. The looks are definitely polarizing to me. It's got a little commuter sort of retro vibe. I kind of thought of Calvin's dad from Calvin and Hobbes. He always had a helmet that looked <laughs> yes, kind of like this. It totally looks like Calvin's so, dad's helmet. Yeah, it's comfortable. Uh, the ventilation, it's it's well ventilated. Maybe not quite as well ventilated as they like. Their claims make it seem like it's going to be you know feel the cool breeze just blowing over your hair. Um, I didn't quite feel that, but uh, well, which is what el every helmet says ever, and it's still yeah, exactly, it's still a helmet. It's yeah, like it hasn't replaced my favorite helmet, which is Specialized Ambush, but I think it's a, it's cool to see that technology evolving and coming in different things. Like I do like, I wear that Tyrant actually a fair bit and I like the concept. That, like I said, yeah. That Ambush is such a good helmet, but I do worry that 
there's only so much that that little material can do. Like it saved, it saved my ass. You know, I had a bad crash with that, that ambush and it was great. Did well, but I don't know. At some point it's like, you have to have more foam to make it more safe. And it's, I don't think that's stupid light helmet. Yeah. I don't think we could say that. That is how that, I mean, that is literally how it works. The more foam you have, the more, the more smoothly it can go from moving to not moving. I think there's a lot of other factors and things going on in there too, though. I mean, that's honestly, that's mostly it. Like that's the thing with these helmets. Like the density and whatever sort of thing is between your head Mm -hmm. and the shell itself too. whatever company has got some sort of like, and that's what this one. So this, yeah, this new Jira does have two densities of EPS foam. Mm -hmm. So you have the, Mm -hmm. the lower density close to your head and the harder density on the outside, which again, that makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. Um, just so, you know, slower speed impacts are dealt with in different ways than high speed impacts. So it's good that these companies are trying things. Again, a lot of helmets, they just come down to looks. And for me, the looks on this are kind of middle of the road. But And some people really hated the looks. So, you know. a lot of, it was a polarizing helmet. Um, yeah, yeah. And I think Jiro, in trying to show off that it's two different helmets in, a, in one helmet, um, accentuated, like they emphasized the, the top helmet it's looks and it, yeah it, that's pretty weird if they had to just look one color it wouldn't have looked all that weird yeah and there is an all-black version that looks a yeah. lot more normal nothing yeah. looks as good as the old gyros are so whatever <laughs> that was a good that's one, one. Yeah. <laughs> i like the zen but yeah either way new helmet it's out there new technology um yeah pretty interesting fabio widmer was back uh, with a new lockdown video easily the video of the week for me um did you guys watch it yeah nope. I did. yeah what so no, I don't want yeah. many. <laughs> yeah, Jesus it's ridiculous. Freaking. That guy's got... I like when he jumped out of the off the roof of his house onto the tree and landed on the mattress and slid down. That was a good mm. move. No, the best was the, uh, the the flicking the bin bag into the rubbish. That was, oh, that was pretty good. Yeah. Must have taken so many goes. Yeah. Was that the one? No, I think in the outtakes they showed that one. That was the first try. Really? I, didn't I watch think that. so. And they were just losing it. Yeah. Yeah. That guy's got skills. Last piece of news, unfortunately, um, Monsoon and confirmed what we suspected last week. And uh, that's the latest round to be cancelled. So we're looking now at, at no racing till September. Um, no great surprise, but um, those guys are coming back 2021. They've already announced. So yeah, hopefully this is all, all cleared up by then. Yeah. That would be nice. Let's talk about what you guys um, have got on, t- on test then. Um, Levy, you finished with that spot. I saw the uh, the review went up today. What's next for you? Well, I just installed the Motion Instruments data acquisition, data logger, figure router suspension thing on the Specialized Enduro. I'm pretty excited about that. So early days, so that the install was actually pretty simple and the setup was easy. So I've just been reading about that and I did a couple exploratory laps and yeah, there's going to be all sorts of things to talk about. Nerd alert. Mountain biking isn't nerdy enough as it is. Right. On new and interesting ways to yeah. make yeah. it even nerdier. And then I also have a set of E13's new carbon XC wheels. They do a like a full-on super, super light XC thing, and then they do like a 1500-ish gram thing. So I've got those ones on that Mondraker. So I've just been putting some time in on those. How about you, Kaz? Got that Privateer 161 that's all built up now. So I've been riding that. And I also still have that Gorilla Gravity Nirvana. So kind of interesting to go back and forth between the two. I rode one on Friday and rode the other bike on Saturday. So they're similar idea, similar concept to those bikes, but different geometry. So it's kind of cool to compare. Um, also still have some Michelin downhill tires I've been riding. And then mentioned that Dior Grupo. So start to put the miles in on that. And how about the uh, the rest of the team? Any interesting stuff being tested there? There's stuff coming. A lot of stuff we just can't talk about yet, but there's a decent amount of product launches coming towards the mid-June, later June. So we'll have things that uh, you'll see more tech news on the way, but a lot of it's just being tested now. I do have I do have a cool drivetrain bit that I can't really talk about. I'll just say all the gears. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Oh, speaking of all the gears, Dan Sapp does have the rotor hydraulic drivetrain. And he, what? I think it should be installed by now, hopefully. I don't think install takes, or I think it takes a while to install it. So at this point, he's had a, a week. So I hope he got it installed oh, by now. I am so jealous. so jealous. I yeah. want that thing so yeah. bad. <laughs> We've been working on another round of field test videos. I think we're going to put on the Lycra this summer and go go full XC. I'm excited Levy, about that. Are you going to shave your legs? I already do. No, I don't shave my legs, and I don't think that I'll start. I don't think it makes much of a difference for me. 
Maybe just to fit the part. Like, maybe if I shave my legs, people will take the reviews more seriously. I think that's the call. Yeah. <laughs> That'll be good, though. But we're going to get uh, two different kinds, and we're going to get some pure XC race bikes in, but we're also getting sort of some new school Evo-ish, you know, slacker, and instead of 100 mil, 115 mil, you know, way more comfortable. <laughs> so that'll be interesting. Okay, so let's move on from stuff that we are currently riding to stuff that we are currently reading in the comment section, which you guys have been a, an interesting mix of funny and mean lately. <laughs> uh, let's start with a comment from a pink bike user named Chilla eight. First of all, he said he's surprised that nobody would pick a dirt jump bike for their only bike. And he asked if any of us road bike. Guys? I do actually own a, a dirt jump bike um, and it get used maybe twice a year. And that's why I wouldn't pick it for one of my only bikes. I don't I don't road bike, but I grab a bike and I see that as like a form of road biking, but you can avoid the traffic. So I'll, I'll stick with that. Um, yeah, I've got a dirt jump bike. I use it. Yeah, a fair, fair bit. We've got some really good pump tracks here in Bellingham. So I hit the belt, the pump track when I don't have enough time for a full ride. And then I dirt jump probably just a handful of times a year now. I used to dirt jump a lot more, but lots of our trails have jumps on them. So I'd rather be on a proper mountain bike. But uh, but yeah, it's good to have a dirt jumper because it doesn't go out of date and I don't have to maintain it really hardly at all. So it's nice. And I don't road bike anymore. I used to road bike a ton, but I'm so close to mountain biking here that I'd rather mountain bike. Yeah, I also... I. Definitely do not have a dirt jump bike anymore. The last time I had a dirt jump bike was probably 10 or 12 more years ago, something like that. I think we're going to have to do a, a dirt jump field test. Yeah, but, well, no, not a field test. I want to yeah. do a mic versus no. mic. Yeah. No. Yeah, we'll do, do a, a mic yeah. versus mic mountain bike ride, Casimir, and I will step on your balls. No, you won't. <laughs> <laughs> on a mountain not. bike ride, for no, sure. How would you? Probably not at the dirt jumps, though. I don't think mountain biking either. I'll take you. Mm, we're yeah. gonna have to do this at some point uh-huh. yeah yeah <laughs> it's gonna be hard for a little while yeah you guys could who would win on the on the zwift right now i would fuck casimir up on this well, i've been riding a lot <laughs> that doesn't matter that has nothing to do with it well you think fitness that's, would have something to do oh, with but it. that's that's the thing you've just been riding a lot riding a lot doesn't do much <laughs> riding have you been training Kaz- like, have you been training yeah. have you been have you been training casimir no but i could still oh, then you. you have no yeah see there no <laughs> Yeah, I, I saw you went on a city ride and you went like gravel grinding and things and like two mile yeah. rides. Yeah, yeah, that won't beat me. Yeah, I'm just doing some things. Yeah, yeah. But riding but riding a yeah. lot. There's a difference between not that we're actually well, maybe we should do this, but I mean, there's a difference between riding a lot and training. When I ride a lot, I get slower, but I have more fun. Yeah, but there's if you put in high intensity. Anyways, I know how to train also. If you but, ride with yeah. faster people, Levy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, if I rode slow all the time, lots of hours, nothing would happen. Yeah. But if I'm getting pushed and riding fast, uh, yeah. That's what I've been doing wrong this whole time. Yeah. We, we'll have to settle this one day. Yeah, we can figure it out. Yeah. Okay, so next question. This is from Taj Lucas. It's for Brian Park. He says it's a question that he's been curious about for a little while here. Is there a divergence happening between top-of-the-line bikes and pro bikes? He says he's always imagined the most expensive bikes in the lineups being the ones that are closest to what the pros ride. With the design trend to make, make bikes more capable for more people, I wonder if that's not a different goal than what a pro might want. I assume that's Taj Mihalic, actually. Yeah. That's his <laughs> yeah, I think so, yeah. yeah, okay. Yeah, a lot, a lot to unpack. I do think there's a divergence between top-of-the-line bikes and pro bikes. And if there isn't, there maybe should be. One of the things that we always hear is, I could buy a motorcycle for that when we're talking about $10,000 bikes. And one of the cool things about mountain biking is that that's silly. A pro supercross bike or whatever is so expensive. It's, it's You add a zero, at least one zero. Whereas you, in the mountain bike industry, we can actually go out and buy what, Aaron Gwynn or Jared Graves or whoever uh, is racing or pretty close. There's not, you know, it's the barrier to pro level stuff is fairly low. So there hasn't been divergence in the past. I do think that there's two sides to this. One, pros definitely need different things than what I need on a bike. Um, and I think I touched on this in the, um, when we we're talking about enduro bikes before and how bigger, bigger overbiking versus underbiking, but when I ride top of the world, 
in Whistler, the final stage of the of EWS Whistler, I would like a bigger bike than a lot of the people who are racing on the day. And I remember when I when I was with Rocky Mountain with the Rocky Mountain Enduro team, the French riders on that team were adamant that they didn't want more than 140 mils of travel when we were having these conversations about like what should we be like what's the next bike that we're going to develop or where where are we taking these bikes and that was really confusing to us at the time but i think i i I think that makes more sense now in hindsight like a pro definitely has different needs and maybe that's one of the reasons we see people like jared or Bryn or whoever maybe being or vanderham being more in favor of say short bikes or smaller wheels or things than what an average rider who benefits from the safety of a super long bike. I don't know. There's also, I think, a factor of, the, I mean, this isn't true of everybody, but a lot of pros don't really like to change too much mm-hmm. stuff. You know, they, they're they fast on this bike with this reach with these tires, right? Mm-hmm. It kind of blows everything up because, you know, win on Sunday, sell on Monday has been, is so like ingrained in our industry that, you know, if the into all of sports marketing says that we have race teams so that you we can sell the thing that the racers are racing after they do well, um, and that is why most of the you know there's always a team spec edition of the highest end bike that is the most expensive. But yeah, I, th- I think kind of the main difference between a pro's bike and and a, a punter's bike, for lack of a better word, is 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 set up really so they'll have everything possible set up for them. They might have like some reach adjustment or, um, you know, a, a special linkage made that, that kind of suits them better. Um, and obviously suspension internals probably uh, fiddled with as well. Um, and just running stuff kind of much, much harder. But, you know, potentially if you can't buy the, the frame, at least now you probably will be able to in a year or two. Yeah, I would agree with that, except I would add the main difference between a pro's bike and a consumer bike is about one season. It's about one year. You know, whatever funny derailleur they're using or, you know, some tire or whatever, some seat, whatever it is, you'll get it next year. And then you could get it, put it on your bike and be just as fast. Easily just yeah. as fast. Oh, wait, yeah. it That's doesn't work that way. <laughs> <laughs> I did yeah, like okay. what, what, Brian, what you said about maybe it should be different. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we saw the Cannondale downhill bike last year and you think to things like the Honda bike in the past where these kind of really exotic, cool looking things came along. I kind of want more like that, just just as a, a bike nerd really yeah well and there's also pros don't have to worry about longevity on stuff you know i've heard i've heard some team mechanics in world cup downhill say that if the wheel isn't destroyed when it crosses the line well then it wasn't light enough or it wasn't oh yeah detentioned enough you know so i had i had troy brosnan when i rode his bike yeah. in whistler last crankworks or the crankworks before or I don't know. But anyways, what are, what are the crank weeks? He told me that if he gets to the bottom of a race run and his rear wheel is still usable, he probably wasn't going fast enough. And all of the spokes in that rear wheel, well, they were so loose. That poor D-Max. <laughs> yeah, they, a, lot, a lot of guys are running low tension. Yeah. It's very strange. Let's not talk about spoke tension, though. No, we're, not, yeah, we're not ready for that. <laughs> get yeah, get everybody riled up. So yes, Taj, there is there are some setup differences like like that, and there are some practical differences like not having to worry about new wheels all the time. And I think that probably we should see more of a divergence. I think people who are less precise or not pro benefit from different things. Yeah. Next question. This one's from Marin in Maine. It's for me. What's your opinion on single speeds, he asks. He says, I don't know what your opinion is going to be, but I feel like it'll be passionate. (laughs) Well, (laughs) I I definitely don't ride any single speeds. I don't see any single speeds here in southwestern British Columbia. Everything is really steep here, so there's not a lot of them. I would love to. I like the idea behind it, like simplicity, and you just get on your bike and you go... But I'm also such a such a gear dork. I just love the new stuff. I love talking about the new stuff. And it's, it, I mean, I can't, Brian, can I ride a single speed? Like, I can't for my job, right? Uh, you can test one when we get you one. Yeah, let's get you a single speed to test. <laughs> oh, God. You're no, only going to ride single speeds for the rest of the year. <laughs> it's way bike. too steep here, dudes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, that's like the thing. Yeah. The 10 tooth chain ring and the 50 tooth cog outback. 
single speed, mm. I can get up the hills here. My knees won't take that. Yeah. He's going to ride fixed gear mountain bikes for the rest of the year. Duck. Remember that was a phase? That was... Oh, I do. Casimir, when you were a shop rat, did you ever make... Did you ever make anything weird and cool like that? Like a single of, speed? Uh, yeah, out, yeah, of, yeah, out yeah. of spare parts or whatever. Yeah, yeah, I had a single speed I built. It was like a Diamondback response aluminum frame that was supposed to be warrantied, but we just ground the serial number off, and then they said I could ride it because the bottom bracket shell was a little crooked. That was why it needed to be warrantied, but I uh, I rode it for... I actually rode it for a long time after that, but yeah, I cobbled together, made a single speed, did a 24-hour race solo on the single speed with that oh bike. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah. oh, and that was the last time you rode a single speed, or...? I don't ride single speed as much anymore. Yeah, again, though, like where I was, I was in Colorado and it was a little bit more rolling. Like the town I was in had like pretty sweet, it was like a single speed, a great place for it just because our local trails, like the ones super close were like rolling hills and you didn't really need to have a, a super wide gear range. So I think they're fun to have, but again, not as an only bike, especially for somewhere it was steep. Where I'm at now, it wouldn't be that much fun. Just again, the steeper hills and crush your knees. Yeah, I'd be super impressed if someone was here crushing on a single speed. They would be doing so many squats and lunges. Yeah. I saw a guy on, on one the other day, so but he had knee older rehab. Shoulder. Yeah. <laughs> All the knee rehab. Yeah. You saw a single speed on his shoulder? Well, yeah, he was running up the trail with his single speed on yeah, his shoulder because exactly. he couldn't ride up. So I was like, oh, that's kind of what I thought single speed. Yeah, I want a mountain before. bike. I don't want a portage. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah. So that sort of brings us to our, our next topic that we're going we're gonna to chat about here, project bikes. Over the years, Casimir and I have been doing this for at least a few decades now, if not a little more for each of us. And we built some pretty strange things. Casimir, what's something you got cooking right now that's interesting? Right now, I don't have as much stuff cooking, but I've definitely done some, you know, when I get some free time or just have a pile of parts, I'll start pulling things and doing things that might not be quite normal or recommended. I think the latest one, I mixed a SRAM Axis electronic wireless drivetrain with a Shimano XTR um, parts. And that worked really well because the, with those parts we kind of mentioned earlier, but with the Shimano drivetrain, you can shift under load. And then if you put the um, axis derailleur, it lets you just be cranking down, push that super quick shifting. With the Shimano chain as well too? Yeah, I ran full Shimano chain cassette and then the SRAM derailleur and uh, shifter, obviously. And did it work well? It did, yeah, it works great. So people yeah. that want to do that, you can mix and match, you know, because we've gotten to 12 speeds, the, the space between all the gears is so close that it, it works. So yeah, that's one of those things. I think I also last, yeah, last year I mixed and matched. A, I made that Fox Zoki fork, which is a Z1 CSU. So Z1 crown steer and then the lowers from a, a 36. And so, so that's straight made, gauge upper tube. Yeah, so like a little heavier upper tubes and then the lowers from the 36. And then- Were you trying I think to I make put it a stiffer? Two damper. No, I was just mixing things up. Yeah. You were just playing <laughs> around. You were just, just trying around. to make people mad. <laughs> seeing, yeah, exactly. Seeing if it could <laughs> See if it all works. It does work. And yeah. that's another thing. Like Marzocchi came out with that new, um, there's that Marzocchi Coil Z1 that's out now. Mm -hmm. And that comes with the regular, um, it's a grip damper in there basically. But you can toss a grip 2 damper in there. And I did that also. So you can have a mm -hmm. Z1 coil fork with a grip 2 damper. So on the drivetrain front, I had that Element staff bike a couple years ago. And I had a, I had an XX1 cassette, an XTR derailleur and shifter, a KMC chain, someone else's carbon cranks. I think a race face, a set of race face carbon cranks and some HT pedals. So like five or six mm -hmm. different companies. You made everybody train. mad. Everybody <laughs> yeah. was mad. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, that doesn't work with that. <laughs> Newsflash, it does. And people should definitely fart around more and you know, mess around and see if stuff works. That's not the dumbest thing that I've done, though. No, no yeah, you've definitely, I know, yeah, tell some of your, you've done some dumb things. We, the should, one with the we should say here that <laughs> if you play around and try all these things and uh, and it wrecks all your shit horribly, it's Levy's fault, not Pink Bikes. Yeah, I'll take, yeah exactly. I'll take the heat for that. People <laughs> yeah. should play around more, definitely. You can blame it on me, I'll take it. So probably the most interesting thing I did is I took the first generation Remedy frame. This is when it was still current. I want to say the Remedy's been around for, like this is the one with the ABP pivot, six years or seven years or no longer than that, long time. It didn't have ISCG tabs on it. That's how old it is. So I tacked on an ISCG adapter. I then used the Hammerschmidt facing tool to bring the bottom bracket shell back down to the correct width. I then installed a Hammerschmidt on the tabs, but I had to cut the Hammerschmidt backplate in half to clear the chain stays as the bike went through its travel. And then for the shifter, I used 
a Megura fork lockout because the Hammerschmidt only had two gears and it pulled the right amount of cables. And then I mounted it underneath the top tube. So it had a, a lever. It was a suicide shifter. And you would pull the lever up to go into one of the gears. And then to release it, you would just hit the button and it would go to the other gear. It was great because you didn't shift it that much. Yeah, that's good. I can see James trying to remember what Hammerschmidt is. I think he was born <laughs> after Hammerschmidt came out. I just remember <laughs> These <old> guys. <laughs> written yeah. on dash guards, but... Yeah. yeah, yeah I, know it, it, you know, <laughs> I rode that bike for more than a year. I was working at a shop at the time and I had zero issues with that thing. Great shifting and yeah, no problem. Didn't you end up cracking it? What do you mean you did no issues well, it, with that thing? Yeah, it broke, but that's because the frame <laughs> was too small. These were different times. And I, I think it was like, a, we were all everybody was riding bikes that were too small back then. And I think it was a 16 and a half inch frame. I'm, yeah. I'm 5'10", just so everybody knows. And no, and you run your seat like like easily two inches higher than you should you want your hips to rock so bad <laughs> so i like a tall seat <laughs> i like my toes to point you don't even Maybe have alone. that of legs <laughs> so anyway so all that came together the c2 ended up cracking but it didn't break because i farted around with that thing and welded tabs onto it to get a hammerschmidt to work i will say that it pedaled like absolute dog shit uh with that tiny little small chain ring it, it just didn't it didn't work well um, as far as pedaling goes, but I mean, those are different times. So yeah, <laughs> maybe you should have gotten a lockout on there. <laughs> it did have a lockout. I just refused to use, it. I didn't know any better. Oh. I'd also had, it also had platform pedals and a Larson rear tire, a Maxxis Larson. Ooh. Yeah, uh, you like to live dangerously. Yeah. 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 Anybody else have anything to say? <laughs> I don't know. I feel like that's, it's cool when people take, take matters into their own hands. Was that because of, did you do it? because nobody was making what you wanted or did you do it because that's what you had? Um, I really liked the Remedy at the time, but it didn't have chain guide tabs, which at the time, it sounds crazy now, but at the time that wasn't super out of line. And I wanted to run this Hammerschmidt thing different times. So yeah, that's just what I had to do. Did you guys see that bike from Isaac? I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Crazy... Long last name. I forgot. Loi Wijo Haya. I don't remember what it actually is. I Sorry, just, Isaac. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, the, the dude who used to, to be a test rider for pole and he built like a long back end bike. It's like the opposite of the Grim Donut. Yeah, pretty good. I mean, it's still pretty big, <laughs> to be yeah. honest. Like if you ride for pole, you're probably going to do a pretty big bike next. But he was... He he took the, the ratio of front center to rear center from like Sam Hill's Sunday... And then sort of transcribed that onto like a bigger frame, basically. Yeah, the front end, I think the reach was 470, which isn't ridiculous. It's well, but that's like a double extra small pole from well, what he was yeah. testing for pole. <laughs> yeah, but he compensated by making the chain stays like 490. So it, yeah. what are they actually? Uh, 490. See, oh, they're actually 490? So yeah. the back end is longer than the oh, yeah. front end. Yeah. Yeah. That's neat. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. He was just like, I'll do it myself, whatever. <laughs> and then jump off the roof with it. Yeah, he hucked off the cooler. roof and it, yeah, it didn't break. So <laughs> what's, his, did, what's his goal? What is, he trying to, what is he trying to do? I haven't seen this thing. I haven't so been to Pink Bike once in a while. I'm there enough. There's this website. <laughs> um, in, in his own words, he, he kind of said he liked how, you know, the, the longer front end bikes are more stable in a straight line, but he doesn't think they corner as well. So he's put a 10 mil stem on it so he can move around a bit more. And he thinks like the longer chain stays just give him, yeah, a, a bit more cornering ability, I guess. I like how he didn't add 10 millimeters or five millimeters or 20 millimeters. Mm -hmm. He just added all of the mill. He added 40 millimeters. More than 40 yeah. millimeters. Like a pole, a rear of a pole is 450. I mean, that's pretty long. Yeah. And he made it 40 millimeters longer. I love yeah, people. It's good. it's good. Yeah. I want to ride this but thing and see. You guys like, are amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyone, yeah. Everyone keep experimenting and keep doing weird yeah. things because it's I, awesome to see. I have one more story. <laughs> no, you have, I'm sure you have more than yeah. one. <laughs> I have a few more stories, but let's just, I'm just going to do, I'm just going to tell you guys one more. So I used to have a, a Cannondale Jekyll Forecross uh, Profit thing. So that's a, that was like a five and a half inch travel bike of some sort. And it had a carbon fiber lefty fork on the front of it. So carbon fiber, single-sided, 
five inches of travel, I think, and it might have used like Manitou internals and some sort of spring of some sort. I don't know. This was a long time ago. Uh, and at the time, a company in the UK that you've probably heard of, Mojo, they were doing aftermarket boxer cartridges. So I got one of these cartridges and I stripped out the inside of the carbon fiber lefty. And I had a friend at a machine shop, Paul Fernie. Shout out Paul Fernie. I haven't talked to you for ages, but thank you. He made me a set of adapter cups. So they were, it was sort of like a foot bolt and a top cap that I could thread in that the cartridge fit into. So I could run uh, this Mojo boxer cartridge inside of my carbon fiber lefty. And then I took a coil spring and mounted it over top of the cartridge's damper rod because that's how it has to be. There's only one side. You can't put the spring on the other side. The lefty only has one side. So the spring needed to be mounted over top of the cartridge with the damper rod down the middle. It was was quite the process, but it worked pretty well. (laughs) What ended up happening to that one? I mean, it broke, but... (laughs) I don't, I don't like ending stories on bad notes, Brian. Come on. So what actually happened, I wrote it for a few months, and it was very impressive. Uh, I had been bringing these cartridges into Canada and installing them in people's forks. And at the time, I was convinced the best damping back then. Um, this was more than 12 years ago. And it worked very well. And then we were on a ride, and... There was a blind jump and I came down and it turns out there was a dude standing on the landing. So I tried to stop in time, couldn't stop in time. And I hit the the backside, um, not even 50-50. And it bottomed out so hard enough that it blew the cartridge out the top of the fork. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Don't do what I do. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Is that like those old Zizix forks or the Hanebrinks that would just like... Actually, I had a Zizix. I had a Zizix. I didn't do anything to it. But if anything needed modifications, it was that. It was that. Yeah, that that actually did need some modifications. People used to drill holes in the bottom of their Zizix to let the water drain. (laughs) I'm not sure if there's even a damper in there. James is like, people did what? I'm just so glad I started mountain biking when I did, when like it had all these like teething periods and it just like... Things are good right now. Things are <laughs> yeah. really good. We don't... People, things are good, but people never stop messing around with your stuff. Take it apart. Like, it's all just bike stuff. You could take it apart and change it and do stuff to it and put it back together backwards. <laughs> <laughs> I did like that guy who built the bike with the Fox 40 stanchion as a tube. He's my favorite. So that that's yeah, Jean-Francois Boivin. Sorry, Jean-Francois. I'm, We're ruining I'm, everybody's names. I'm destroying your name. He's from Quebec. I apologize. But... Carbon fiber frame, it used a gearbox, and he used a stanchion tube from a Fox 40 as a load-bearing member for his rear shock. Uh, and then, he, yeah, he built his rear shock out of that, out of that stanchion tube. It was amazing. So Kazra, what's, it? what's been your, one of your favorite bikes? We've done a lot of these weird home-built things. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I mean, we did show Alan Milliard's downhill bike the other day. Uh, mm-hmm. That bike is pretty impressive. Just that guy's a wizard with uh, metalwork and backyard fabrication. So it was cool to kind of see that thing uh, drill, you know, come up from the archives. I've never gotten to see one in real life or ride it, but I just like the, he's a, a true backyard uh, tinker and his motorcycle projects are pretty impressive too. They're insane. That's his main yeah. gig, isn't it? The motorcycle mm-hmm. stuff? I think so, yeah. Yeah. Whatever yeah, so happened... That, to his suspension it's still i mean the thing same thing that happens with all of these that don't come to mass market they just exist but no one has them i think kind of like that one that was the uh what was that one the nitro shock well isn't that it isn't the nitro shock the the thing that uses his technology yeah i think so we can i think we could talk about this now i think we can yeah (laughs) so uh, yeah, the Milliard shock, um, from what I remember, it was like a fairly high-pressure nitrogen shock with uh, very minimal rebound damping, it sounded like. I, I remember I read about it in Dirt Mag, and Steve Jones, at the, who was at Dirt Mag at the time, forever was loving that thing. Um, and then Sun Tour, I know Sun Tour was talking him, talking to him for quite a while, and every Eurobike or every Interbike, we'd get in there, and I'd be all excited to see where this was going. And yeah, it never, it never went anywhere. I saw on Instagram that they're still testing, like, last week or two weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah, he seems yeah. to be doing, like, a little social media resurgence. Like, he's been posting videos about his old bikes and, uh, yeah, posting, like, updates on the shock, so... But is it still Alan? It's his son now. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, so his son, is, his son is riding the bike. His son has a transition that he's put the shock on, that nit- or the, um, the milliard shock, and he's also riding that bike too. I don't know if we'll ever see the thing in real yeah. life, but man, that's so cool. People doing that shit. Yeah, yeah. 12 years. That shock's been, in, been teased for 12 years. I don't know if we're, wouldn't hold your breath for mainstream availability. We, uh, we should say that we're selfish. We want people to do all the crazy things because we're it's exciting and interesting and we want to talk about it. But I do wonder why that thing didn't find any... Why nobody bit. Like none of the manufacturers bit. It sounded like it rode pretty uniquely. Pretty... It's not traditional is how mm-hmm. I would describe. It's how people described it that rode it anyway. So, I mean, uh, it could be just like, hey, this thing is so weird. You know, on one hand, it might it might let downhillers ride super, super fast. Like, you know, the best in the world go really, really fast. But it might feel like shit to normal people, right? Mm. I don't know if that's the case. I'm just speculating. But, yeah, we should definitely reach out to them, find out what the story was. If it requires people to really change their riding habits, that can be a commercial, uh, huge commercial risk, like we see with trust. Yep. And gearbox too. And gearboxes. Yeah. So why is it that you you'll reconfigure your brain for for linkage forks, but you won't reconfigure your brain for for gearboxes? No, I think you're wrong. I will not reconfigure my brain for for a linkage fork, but I will definitely. They're just interesting. They're just super interesting. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, they're just different, and they do things that are are different, and they have some huge advantages. Unfortunately. I don't think we'll ever see them see them in the mass market, you know, as being a, a common thing. But yeah, they're just. Sorry, are you are you talking about gearboxes or linkage forks now? <laughs> Both, actually. <laughs> yeah. That'll yeah, make yeah. people mad. <laughs> it's, yeah. Especially linkage forks, but gearboxes too. And for the same reason, they're different, and I mean, they force people to accept a different normal. Well, yeah, and there's other, obviously other factors of weight and price yeah. and all yeah. that things that hold them back. When you know, we talked about Dior coming out with how affordable that drivetrain is, a gearbox is not going to be that affordable. No. But I, I think that gearboxes, if they can just get over the one hurdle of the of the shifter, that would get you like 80% of the way. I uh, don't think so. I think if yeah, that was the that. issue, it would have happened a long time ago. Yeah. <sighs> I don't know. There are just so many advantages or potential advantages to, to not having a derailleur hanging off your bike. Yeah, um, on, on paper, and it's an engineer's yeah. dream, and it seems yeah, magical, it but then, you know, how often do we rip off derailers? Like, there's going to be some guy in the comments that rip one, rips one off every every single ride, but realistically, it's, they, there it's are much rip more rare. Who, yeah, Who we know, who complain <laughs> yes. all the time about ruining their derailers all the I time. Know. And I then mean, when you go riding with them, you all of a sudden sense. understand. <laughs> You're like, oh, yeah. Yeah. oh, great. It's all of the, like chainring grinds you do on park benches on concrete park benches weird weird that's, that that's strange derailleurs. <laughs> yeah so strange. it might be time for maybe it's time for skinnies to make a comeback because i used no. to post a lot more derailers when i rode more skinnies so if they made a comeback i might be more into having more gearboxes i think we need a gearbox podcast this is it's a that. big it's a big topic yeah, yeah let's do it yeah just not today no definitely not today i feel like my all my bike shop uh all my bike shop creations aren't nearly as cool as that all all i ever did was once we we you know when you turn the your chain into a figure eight so you have to pedal backwards oh yeah you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Forward? yeah yeah <laughs> about as far as i got yeah that's a good classic one though yeah yeah it's a classic okay so that's enough of dangerous ideas that you should definitely do let's move on to something that we call comment gold it's pretty self-explanatory the best comments from the week and we've got some good ones it might be because we had some some articles that brought out all sorts of good comments, mainly that Diverge Groundon article and the Rigid NV Fork article. Go ahead, James. I was going to say mine, mine is from the, the NV Rigid Fork article, uh, and this is the user Preach who said, uh, this is to mountain bikers what the abacus is to math- mathematicians. He's not wrong. He's not wrong. I don't. <laughs> hopefully we won't have two more gravel articles next week. <laughs> Does 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 he mean that it's just like it's fundamental many years ago, but now outdated? Or I don't. I'm not yeah, it seems like it's the basis redundant. of yeah. It began yeah. with that. And yeah, everyone <laughs> uses calculators now for a reason. Yeah, yeah. I think for me, the the comment gold of the week is on is on the new 
to your drivetrain. Uh, and it's uh, user KCY4130. I wonder what his frame material of choice is. <laughs> uh, he, he comments on the, on the DR drivetrain launch article uh, and says, SRAM, the correct reaction to this and 12-speed XTR XTSLX2 is not 13-speed and a bunch of new standards. I cannot overemphasize this. I think that's fair. Um, I am curious to see. We're in this cool place where uh, Shimano and SRAM are, are yeah, going back and forth every year where, you know, the year Shimano has a new high-end, SRAM has a new uh, value, and then Shimano does the value, and then SRAM's going to have to respond, and it's cool, so we'll, we'll see what's coming next. I agree that it would be nice to see, at this point, we've got the range, we've got general, like, things are working pretty well. If we can get to a place where it's just a, a major improvement on what's there now, rather than having to throw everything out and start over again, that'd be great. I thought you were going to say a gearbox. Oh, that would have been hilarious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if we could get that gearbox. Finally. Uh, Kaz, what's your, what's your favorite comment? Well, I'll read this one about the status. Um, so there's a specialized, I don't know. Did we talk about the status last week? I can't remember. Yeah, last week we did. We yeah. did? Just, okay. Uh, yeah, we did. So anyways, there was that specialized status that got teased. Um, and user Garno 565 he said, so funny reading the comments and the link to the old status. And the top ones are about people making fun of bars wider than 750 milliliters. So that would have been the review Levy wrote back in, uh, what year was that, maybe 1983? Yeah, back in the old days. Yeah, and so, you know, it's obvious things change, and it's funny to see what got people so riled up back in the day where wide bars used to be a really hot topic, and now most bikes come with wide bars, and you can cut them down if you don't like them. Yeah, I, it, it always blew my mind that it took so long for bars or bikes to come with wide bars. It's like... And short stems, too. Yeah, yeah like cu- bar time. cutting technology was always there. Yeah, it's pretty simple, but... <laughs> I'm glad, yeah, again, everything's just evolving, getting better, but it is funny to go back and see what got people up in arms. I do remember we went too far as well, though, like there were superstar yardstick bars, do you remember them, 900 millimeters? Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You can only ride in like the desert, or not even the desert, just open fields. (laughs) Speaking, Speaking of people being riled up. My comment was on the specialized Diverge Evo article. It's from PB user Scary1. He gets 10 PB points for this one. His comment, he called the Evo a downtowny instead of a downcountry bike. I like it. Mm. I think somebody responded that it's actually an uptowny because it's pretty expensive. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody, that is it for Comment Gold. Never stop making fun of us in the comments. Never stop with the funny comments. And never stop making crazy, weird bikes and taking things apart and building things that you probably shouldn't build as well. Take care, and we'll see you guys next week. Bye.